when I was a little girl going to church, uh, was you could never speak. You weren't allowed to talk because it, you were shushed. But the other thing was, was that if you had a candy in your mouth, you couldn't let anyone see that you had a candy in your mouth. So try to suck one of those peppermint mints, you know, the knobs, peppermint knobs, because somebody always had one in their purse. Trying to suck a peppermint knob in your mouth without moving your mouth. Try it. <laughs> try it. I grew up just like any other kid in Oport, Newfoundland, around, on, sometimes even in the water. I grew up wanting to be a sailor, uh, just like my father, and eventually sailed on ships all over the world for 20 years. Then I met this guy, Greg Wells. He bought a 100-year-old church in my hometown. Along with a great team of people, there's some very special things happening there. My name is Ryan Gates. This is my hometown of Winter in Newfoundland. This is Downey's Bank, Silly Cove Records Podcast. All right, folks, welcome to uh, episode four of the Downey's Bank Podcast. This one is a little different than what we've done the last three. Um, I'm joined today by Carol Bryant. Carol's got some interesting stories to share with us about, she's been a supporter of Trinity Hall before most people knew what Trinity Hall was. It was very early on. Uh, we received a message from Carol saying that she had some things we may be interested in that she'd like to donate to the project. Um, but we'll get into that shortly. I wanted to first uh, let Carol introduce herself and her connection to Winterton and family connections, music, whatever you want to talk about. That's what I'm interested to hear. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I grew up in Winterton uh, at a young age. My family moved there when I was about 17 months old. We did live on the other side of the bay in Port Union. And um, sadly, my, uh, uh, my father drowned at sea, which brought us back to Winterton where my mother grew up. So we lived with my grandparents for a while. And I grew up in Winterton. Winterton, I knew like the back of my hand where I went sliding in the winter, went to school. We, I went to school when we had three separate schools, when every religion had a school. I went to school before integration, and I remember how the town came together. Growing up, uh, I was on one side of the harbor, and it's not uh, uncommon for someone to not know people on the other side of the harbor. I know that sounds kind of weird, but back then, you know, you kind of stuck to your side of the harbor. And we had the Anglicans and we had the United and we had the Salvation Army. And we all kind of went to our own respective churches. And so I have been in the town to see the integration of the school system and to see the coming together of, of all the religions. With And although we had our, our separate churches to, to go to, the, the community came together over the years. And growing up, I mean... Uh, Winterton is as much my hometown as anything would ever be, even though I wasn't born in the area. Um, uh, I know everybody there when I go to the museum. I know I looked at all the pictures when I went there and I, everybody I knew that had passed on. Mm. We were all there in the community and I like my memories were just flooded with how I grew up and how these people played a role in my life. And more importantly, going to the Anglican church was part of my life. Um, I was sang in the choir there, my brothers sang in the choir there, my mother did, my grandparents. Um, going to church, she went to church twice on Sunday and Sunday school in the middle of the day, and all points in between. But we were a tight-knit community, and uh, through growing up, I would say that um, we all left home at a young age, 
back then because uh, there wasn't there wasn't much to do. So I left home at 17 and, and went on and my brothers did the same thing. And most everybody else that I went to school with did the same thing. So coming back to Winterton would be to come back to visit parents and grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been back and forth to Winterton. And I know pretty much everybody that's out there um, in my mother's generation in the past and in my generation, that not many people are living there. But what I do find, a lot of people my age are going back after retirement and settling back in. So the community is growing again that way. And so I run into people now that I grew up with when I go out to visit my mom. And I feel really excited about what's happening with Winterton. And I just feel... And, I, and I've watched a lot of the people respond to the site about how connected everybody still feels to the community. And I think that's really important. And I think that's what's going to bring a lot of people back into the community and especially having, having Trinity Hall kind of act as the, kind of like a catalyst to bring people back to the community because I just feel like there's such a connection there, and this is a bond. Absolutely. I mean, uh, to to tie it to tie it all together for people who don't know the whole connection. Uh, Carol mentioned uh, the Anglican Church, which is St. Luke's Anglican Church, and she mentioned Trinity Hall, which is one in the same. So St. Luke's Anglican Church uh, closed its doors permanently um, several years back. Now was deconsecrated, and the uh, the church goers now go elsewhere. Um, but that is, of course, the building that's been purchased by. Uh, LA-based record producer Greg Wells, um, and that's where this podcast all stemmed from. So it's and and I fully agree with with your synopsis on uh, on the bringing people back. I left Winterton at eighteen. Uh, haven't really been Thanks. back since. I I again it's still home. I mean I got a beautiful place here in North River. That's my wife's hometown. Uh, we live here. Our kids are from here now. They they moved here at a young age too. We were born. Both boys were born in St. John's, but once they were born, we decided we wanted the same upbringing that we had, so we moved out here. So this is their home. Uh, but Winterton has always been my hometown. It always will be. It's just where I grew up. Like I said, like you, I knew all the streams and rocks and uh, the whole. You know, it's just it's just you 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 gather you gather that uh, that upbringing, I guess from not being stuck to an iPad and being out and about with your friends and everything else. I mean, we grew up when winter was a really strong softball community when, you know, everyone, any, anyone and everyone played softball four or five days a week on the softball field because that was our sport and that's what we did. Um, so I always had a strong connection to home as well and uh, purchased, I, I purchased an old home in, in winter and um, gosh, it must be seven or eight years ago now. And it's not it's just up behind. It was uh Formerly Gordon, Gordon Banton's house up behind uh, the Orange Lodge, and uh, I bought that as a little project. Uh, it wasn't ridiculously overpriced for an older home, and uh, it's been a little renovation project for me, and a place where I hope I can bring my kids so that they can get a little taste of my upbringing as well. Once once I get it finished someday, <laughs> hopefully that's in the cards sooner than later. But no, I totally appreciate where you're coming from because this project has brought me a lot closer to home than I have been. I mean, I. I end up in Winterton because my mom still has a place there, um, you know, I don't know, three, four or five times a year, typically, and in the place running back and forth to check on my own place, making sure things are, you know, in order. But otherwise, I mean, that's basically it. Uh, the odd family get together with my uncles and, and, and aunts who still live, live there, and that's about it. Now, I'm in Winterton once a week 
at the at the least normally now a couple times a week for odds and ends meeting with contractors electricians meeting with film directors and crews that are that are starting to, to take on take on the project on another end and there's just so so much happening and a lot that people are not in, in fully in the loop on yet that we can't wait to share the news on it as things progress but uh both trinity hall as a venue and a, a, an organization point for all sorts of community activities and then silly cove records which is going to change i i fully believe change the outlook on on what uh what the newfoundland music scene can potentially look oh, like absolutely so um i really appreciate that that kind of uh outlook because again you're the first person i've had on here for the podcast who kind of similar situation to me who left and yeah. you know, pursue other things obviously because there's only so much that can be offered in in small towns not everybody can stay some people are lucky enough to stay and do and do other things yeah. but not everybody can um so but uh, let's let's talk about your mother i guess and and uh, and her connection to the town that's that's i guess who most people would know more better than you even <laughs> my honor i think pretty much taught everybody until the until the day she retired mm-hmm. she i mean she was my teacher when she when i went to school first and i went to school when there was <laughs> god i'm dating myself when there was no kindergarten i went to school my first year of school was grade one mm-hmm. my mother was my teacher which was the weirdest thing ever because I, I've called her mom. How do I call her miss? I mean, that was always a dilemma. I'll, re- I'll remember that. And uh, from there on in, my mother, she was a great teacher for everyone. She was a primary teacher. And anybody's who, anyone's child that went through school had to go through her coming up through. And mom was very much involved in the community, uh, community work with the church group, church choir, um, any kind of, oh, and the town, the municipal part of the town, uh, operations, uh, recreation um, operations, anything that was going on. My mother was probably, you know, in on it or not front row and center. And and my grandmother was pretty much that way too. And uh, they had a business there at General Store. But I remember a lot about growing up with my mother as a teacher. And we went to the Anglican school first because that's what it was. There was no integration, as I said. So I have a memory of the white school that we went to. And um, my mother was, she was, I couldn't get away with anything because she was there the whole time. So. Well, <laughs> without, without dating you or me, uh, you're a generation <laughs> ahead of me, what I would consider a generation ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> and, and your mother taught me as well. Uh, oh, my God. She was my third grade teacher, I do believe, yeah. at the time at Perlin. Yeah. So, of course, we're referring to uh, to Mrs. Grace Brinson. Um, yeah. She, again, when it comes to uh, to people who are uh, strongly connected to uh, to again to the Anglican Church, to the people who are currently on our board, we have uh, we have two former school teachers as well who worked alongside your mother in in uh, Road Ahead and Ann Walker. Um, Again, there's been because because Winterton has had the elementary school for so long, uh, the integrated elementary school. It's been a hub for uh, educators, for teachers. Um, there's always been a strong presence there. Uh, the, pe- the people who are part of the community, but also taught at the elementary school. I could start listing them off, but it, it, I, for, well, I, one I've, there's so many I would fear to forget one or miss one. But there's a litany, litany of teachers who have lived in that town and continue to live in that town. Um, we just brought on Roger Green as a member of our board just a couple of days ago. Uh, now Roger doesn't teach at Perlin, 
I think believe he's at Ackerman. But anyway, he's again, he's a he's a well-respected man in, in the uh, on the education side of things. People know who he is uh, and and respect his work. But he's also strongly involved in the community. Uh, deals with youth on the regular. He's he's a musician, a very talented musician, and he's going to be a very very strong part of what we have going forward at Trinity Hall. So. Um, I love the teacher aspect of this story as well, because your mom has impacted so many people over the years uh, who've, so, who've come through our town, you know? It, and, and I, you know, and Rhoda, Rhoda was a teacher uh, for me as well mm -hmm. over the, so I'm not, I'm not as old as Rhoda. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, so I'll make sure to point that out to her. <laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate that. That one. <laughs> I, but I, uh, when I when the church started to close, when there was talk about the church was closing, and uh, there was so much sadness about the church closing. Now, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people to keep the church going there, and it didn't warrant it, so the diocese had to make a change. However, I think there was a lot of people who probably felt a disconnect because the church was no longer there. The building was no longer there to walk into, and my mother had been going to she's going to that church all her life, so she's she's lived long enough to see that happen in her generation that yeah. doesn't happen how many times people don't get to see an end of an era a lot you don't get to witness something that that has that much impact on you and it has an effect so in turn having even though the building's deconsecrated and everything having the fact that she's probably going to be able to walk inside those doors again and see what's happened to the place. I mean, I think that's big for her. And I think, I think it's big for me. I've started, I'm starting to remember all the things that I thought I had forgotten about growing up in Winterton. And it's all been spurned on by the memories of going into the church. My God, I've been going back and forth there for so many years, but this kind of, this kind of just sparks everything up in a different way. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I think it's amazing when I heard what was happening. It was like, are you serious? Is this really, is this really a thing? Well, I mean, that, the, the, the building could have just as easily fell down, burned down, be bought by someone to turn into a, a bed and breakfast, be bought for someone to turn into a storage space. It could have been anything, but what it's becoming, something <laughs> that's basically been given back to the town in a roundabout way, not, not on an ownership level, but on a usage level, that building is going to be fully accessible to the town for projects and for growth and for helping to bring our youth along and a hub for the, the, the amount of ideas that are getting tossed around for future uses of this space outside of the things which we're already doing is astronomical. And the fact that Mr. Wells is fully on board and fully committed to all of it, um, again, looking at the alternative, what it could have become, and what it's right. going to come, I agree. It's and it goes back to me too to what your point very early on in this chat. Uh, you talked about the segregation, not purpose purposeful segregation. There was there was no hard feelings, but it's just that when you when you come up through a small town of five hundred people ish uh, with three churches, um, again you tend to uh, spend more time, of course, in and around and supporting your own church. I grew up in the Salvation Army Church and. Again, that yeah. went through. That's went through a massive, and only just by dumb luck, it's still there because you know it, they had to close the Hans Harbor Church and combine those two. It just so happened that the church in Winterton was newer, and they kept that building. Um, but again, the amount of times I was actually in St. Luke's, I think I was trying to recall the other day, 
prior to this project, I think I was in the building once. I think I was in the United Church twice. And that's right. it. Because one, the churches were only really used for church. There was not much else happening there in, in the way, you know, not a lot. Sometimes the ACW would have an event or, you know, the Salvation Army you know, Home League would have an event or whatever it might be. Uh, but, you know, it was basically church services and close the door and turn off the heat so you're not costing too much money and, and leave, right? So I had no real reason to be in those buildings. Um, but I did know that both the United Church and the Anglican Church, uh, prior to closing, were nice buildings, and they were well kept as 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 well kept as they could be on a on a very modest budget. Um, things which we've uncovered, of course, over over our renovation, because now it's a commercial building. It, it's yeah. no longer a church. It got uh, lots of eyes turned the wrong way, and got you know because of the situation that these churches find themselves in, they get right grandfathered in for lack of a better word when it comes to having to comply with certain things because they've been there so long the minute it changes hands we need fire doors we need proper electrical we need, and, and when we started getting commercial people in there looking at this stuff they're like wow how this place didn't burn to the ground for a third time because this is the third <laughs> this is the third building on that lot it's uh, it, it's amazing so um again to have someone come in and actually do it right and greg greg has approached it head on and I know it's cost him more money than he had originally expected to or hoped to spend. Uh, and I, I, I have the utmost respect for him because while, while he's coming from LA and investing this money, uh, it's, it's still, it's still a big dent in his pocket. Absolutely. It's a big deal. Yeah. When you say hub, I mean that I think that's, what's going to happen with the community is it's going to become a hub because the words around, I've had numerous conversations with people that are musicians, with people that are in the entertainment business who everyone knows about it on the Island. People know about this. So this is no small fry thing that's going to happen. I think this is, and I think that's, what's really exciting that it's going to happen in Winterton (laughs) where we grew up. Like, that's kind of like a little tiny bit of a fairy tale type of thing for a, a small community like Winterton. And um, one of my visits that I was out recently, I ended up, um, I, I heard about the window that you felt you, you found underneath the, the floorboards. So one visit I went out and I went, I took my mother and we went to see Monica Hindi, who was another town elder, because there's not a lot of town elders in their nineties now who can give a so I was intrigued about that. And I w- sat down with the both of them. They And they were, they had no idea where this could have come from. So then I called Rhoda and I said, we're over here. We're having a chat. You know, you need to like, would you like to come over? Because we're finding out maybe what, what didn't happen to that window. Maybe it could have been, we were talking about it could have been part of the fire that it didn't get damaged. And that's why they wanted to hang on to it. Somebody went through some trouble to, to secure it. And I it's, think yeah. it's, 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 it's older than the building is. There's, there's no yeah. question of that in my mind. You can see that it's all hand carved. Like it's that window might be one of the oldest church windows in North America. Like given, given, given the, the, the precedent that was set by the fact that the building we're currently talking about is 120 years old already. Uh, yeah. and the previous buildings to that, um, Again, there's the documentation, and that's something again that we're going to drive home with this project is trying to create that proper timeline and try to reconstruct how these things. Because we've we've uncovered some other treasures that hasn't been released yet, from oh, up, really up, up stored away <laughs> in, the, in the bell tower. And oh wow, yeah. So 
again, not of the same magnitude as that giant 16 foot window or whatever it is, but, um, but again, like I said, you know, the beauty about, and we, we talk about the hub, the word hub keeps coming up here in this conversation. And, and yep. the reason it's going to become such an ideal hub is because it's already laid out to be that. Uh, and this is no knock on other on other towns up and down the Trinity Shore, but you're very hard pressed to find a place that has a gas station, a convenience store, a pharmacy, a school, a library, a restaurant, a liquor store for those who are inclined, a park with with with, with, camp, with campsites, a museum, and now a recording studio. And that's that's what that that's what me digging deeper and trying to list off some more things. But I mean, this community of 500 people is chinched with things for locals and tourists to do and enjoy and have access to um, pretty much any other community you go up and down the shore, you're, you're hard pressed to find a convenience store, let alone any of these other luxuries, which we've been able to hang on to in winter. And thanks to the hard work and dedication of the generation before us who put in the work to get that, that museum is an absolute treasure. That is a treasure, not just to the community, but to the province and more people who get out and experience what's been put into that about the wooden boat building and the history of Winterton upstairs, because there's been a lot of pieces preserved and a lot of stories to be told that if you're either bit of a history buff at all, even the slightest, and I'm a history nerd, I love this stuff, but even if yeah. you're the slightest inkling that you're interested, you're going to be yes. captivated by that place. So that's you reason know, enough to come to Winterton. Oh, yeah. Trinity the, Hall. <sighs> oh, another thing, like the first time I walked into that museum, and I, I told you, I went through the, when I went through the doors and I saw all the pictures on the walls everywhere. And I was like, holy smokes. Oh, they're not here. They're no longer here. And I started to cry. I cried the whole way through mm. the music. I, and it was just so heartwarming. And so uh, what uh, and, and the history and the memories that I, that started because we lived with my grandparents who had a little general store. So I remember a lot of the, the town elders back then who would come out and hang around the potbelly stove in my grandparents' general store. So, and, Carol, you'll have to forgive me because I don't know. Where, where was the store located in town? So the store, is, uh, the store was right across from where the gas tanks are now. There's a little white house there right by the, by the bridge. It's on the right-hand side. It's right. It's next to next to the gas tanks. Um, it's right by the bridge. There is a. It's a. It's across the street from from Hindi's store. Used to okay. be Hindi. Yep. Their general store was attached to the house. Gotcha. Okay, I know exactly what we, you're talking about. We just went in through the little pantry, and boom, there's the store, and it had everything in it. Yeah. My God, you can get anything and everything. I remember everything about that store but i remember all the people that used to hang out in the store and i was just a little girl who moved to winterton with her mother and her two brothers and everybody kind of wanted to you know hover around us and make sure we're all good and i remember those so when i went into the museum and i saw all those pictures of all those people who in my mind rallied around all of us when we were young growing up and they're all gone. And and to emote that kind of feeling from me from start to finish, I was like a blubbering idiot. The young girls that worked in the in the museum were like, who is this girl? And it was amazing. So that museum in and of itself is something to to take in when when people go to Winterton. So now we have the Trinity Hall. <laughs> I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's just amazing that this is happening 
in our little town. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And, and while Winterton, from a census perspective or whatever you want to call it, is a town of, you know, 500 people, uh, and most of which are not from Winterton originally. Anyway, there's so many people who've bought and moved in because it is a lovely little town. Yep. Um, but Winterton as a community is thousands and thousands and thousands of people who I've received countless since I started this podcast. This was just something I came up with. I talked to Greg. I said, let's, let's help spread some news. Let's help. Because right. again, uh, what, and anyone who knows the connection will probably put two and two together rather quickly. Uh, we used to have Andromeda cable there as well. We had our own local cable station for a lot of years. And my mother, Audrey, um, was the local television host who hosted a show called Community News and Views, and her, her, her co-host was Rex Piercy, again, man who grew up, another educator. Um, but, uh, but again, I said, let's, let's modernize that. Let's do it again, because it was a huge hit. We sat around and watched Community News and Views, even though it was my mom. Uh, we'd sit yep. around, we'd watch the broadcasts and hear all the stories. They'd have episodes where people would come on and talk about artifacts and antiques and things that, and all those tapes, are now over at the museum. They're slowly getting them digitized and slowly cataloging all this information. But again, this podcast is kind of pays a little homage to my own family history because my mom was doing this 35 years ago. Exactly what right. I'm doing here, just a different medium, right? So, um, and like your mother who, you know, supported the church and, 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 and spent all those times you know, fundraising and doing all the things that need to be done to keep the lights on. Now you've had your little little in, input into the new side of the church with the antiques now that you guys have been able to donate. So let's talk about that because that's oh, really the... the yeah, and then, you know, each piece has such a unique story to them. And, and, and so let me back up a tiny bit. We were, okay, so... Um, my mother no longer lives in our family home. And of course she's, she's at the personal care home in Winterton. But the family home had kind of stood empty for about five years. So it came to a point where we had to, we had to sell it. And that happened last year. And pretty much most of the things had been taken out of the house over the course of several years, except for the pump organ and the gramophone. And both are like lead weights. And because they have a little, and you know that, because I think you. <laughs> you haven't got to tell me, but continue. <laughs> I says, a fella came with a truck and I it's like my brother's like someone's gonna have to take it out of the house you know so here we are we're down to the wire the house is being sold that now we're down to like the very last things that gotta come out of the house that we we kind of put off and those two things were there and we were down to the wire with this and um the boys my brother i call them the boys were like okay well it's going to the it's going to the dump because nobody wants it um the gramophone which i'll, I'll refer to later on where it came from but we offered it up to the coker heritage foundation in port union and um a few times and and of course they have a ton of things down in the museum in port union and, and there's a reason why i'm mentioning this anyhow and they didn't they didn't bite so we still ended it. We still had it. And at the same time, I heard about this guy who was buying up the church in Winterton. And I said to one of my brothers, I said, you know what? Maybe he'll have it. Maybe he'll take it because the museum had no room for it in Winterton. So let me just find out if, if maybe he's interested. So I knew Rhoda had taken up a role 
with this. And I called Rhoda. I said, Rhoda, we have this pump organ and a gramophone. The pump, the pump organ belonged to Mr. Sansom, who was a well-known man in Winterton. And the gramophone came from Sir William Coker, who was gifted to my grandfather. And I said, um, I don't want them to go to the dump and they're going to end up like, we're going to have to beat it up to take it out of the house and get it to the dump. So, and I said, do you think this guy, Greg, would like to have it? Because, well, the church, it's, you know, this is, these two are like historical pieces of furniture in my eyes. She said, let me call him. I'll call you back. And she called me shortly after. She said, You're not going to believe this. He collects pump organs and gramophones. <laughs> you can't. That was what I was saying. It was a thing like you talk about timing. Right. Along comes this guy who collects these things right at the time when this is going to go to the dump. Yeah, the amount, the amount of serendipitous things that have happened since I've met Greg Wells, it's eerie. And someday maybe I'll get into that when this all turns out to be the most amazing thing that ever happened, because it will. Um, yeah. But the amount of things that have fallen in line at the right time, the, the grand piano story in itself, I had actually oh, been in a house looking at a set of, I have an apartment downtown St. John's, which I rent and I was looking for a couch and love seat to put in this apartment is the story. And I walk into this house after having sent them an email, said, you're selling this. We just take, I think it was $700 for the set. Yes, we will. Okay. Deal's done. While I'm loading up the cushions, I'm going to come back the next day to get the actual, the actual couches. While I'm loading the cushions in my truck, the guy says, don't know anybody looking for a grand piano, do you? I'm like, how many grand pianos are for sale in Newfoundland starter? Okay. Seriously. Yeah. Like one, right? Uh, and and who thinks to even say that? At anyway, all these things. So I, I said, uh, I don't know someone for sure, but I know someone who likes pianos and let's just let's look show me. I'm I'm a musician myself, hobby, but I you know, show me and I'll take some pictures and send it to a guy, you never know, right? Yeah. Um and of course, it was quite a lot of money, but uh, I sent the, I sent the photos to Greg, and he's like, "Wow, what a beautiful instrument!" He said, "I would absolutely love to have it, but given the amount of investment currently in the building and, and what I've got facing me, I I just I simply cannot. Like, I just you know, we're not we're not unlimited pocket depths here, no. and, uh, and it's still stockpiling when it comes to the cost of renovating this building. But anyway, uh, so I said, "Yep, no problem," and I just dodged on my merry way, and not. Two weeks later, uh, on on his own accord, not referencing that particular piano at all, this donation of a piano offer came through, and the gentleman, uh, Mr. Tucker, who donated the piano, looked up and found that listing on his own and reached out to Greg, and Greg's like, I'm familiar with the piano. I already had someone look at it by accident, and yes, 100%, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, and now we have one of the nicest grand pianos <clears throat> on the island sitting ready for use at Trinity hall for concerts and, uh, and for live recordings, whatever it, it. So, like I said, that's just one thing. Like, like I said, the, the serendipitous of all this is become quite, quite clear that there's a, there's a higher power at work in all this. And I don't really fully understand why or how, but here we are. I so. totally. So let me just tell you briefly, the pump organ, belonged to a guy by the name of E.J. Sansom, who was, I was born in the late 18, or 19, 1800, sorry, and he, he's from Winterton. He was an only child. Uh, he wanted to be a doctor, and his parents didn't want him to leave, so he didn't become a doctor, but he ended up with um, a, a business, a general store in Winterton, and he was well-loved, uh, and he actually played an organ. 
He played organ for the United Church, I found out. And now, so who knows, maybe Greg's grandfather and him may have known each other over those years. I would assume it's impossible for him not to, if that's the case. I know, but he was Anglican. And, um, but I guess, you know what? He just probably played around, (laughs) pun intended. However, this pump organ belonged to him. This guy, um, he wanted to be a doctor so badly. He basically turned into the resident doctor of Winterton. He had no formal training. Uh, my mother tells num- a number of stories about how she she split her knee open, fell onto rocks or whatever. Mr. Sansom, he was the one who sutured it up. If there was an accident, he ran to the scene of the accident. He saved my grandfather's life, Fred Hendy, my grandfather, who had who worked for Mr. Sansom when he was younger, um, and they were close. Um, my grandfather ended up with his his general store. He had gas tanks. He had taxi service, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, One story um, uh, that uh, he was doing a taxi run across the Heart's Content Barrens um, in a snowstorm with a horse and sleigh. He barely made, listen. Okay, continue. Right? (laughs) He came home and he fell at the doorstep. Uh, I guess he was very close to death, hypothermia. Mr. Sansom knew exactly what to do. He took my grandfather. He slowly warmed his body up and he slowly brought him back. I mean, it's these are like, there's tons of stories. I can go on and on with stories because when I was asking around about him and I heard about him as I was, and when I was growing up, he was no longer there. But <clears throat> this was something that this, it was innate in him. This man was so special to the community that, if we had enough people who had enough stories that were old enough, we would hear a story per person, I'm sure, because um, there's many play, many stories about how he, he sewed up body parts or he helped set broken bones. Now, where did he get this? You know, you want to talk about something that's meant to be. This guy was so special. So mm-hmm. he ended up having a good business in Winterton and um, his daughters and wife moved back to St. John's and didn't want to be there. So he ended up, when he tended his business, he stayed with my grand, my grandparents. He boarded with them. So this is how the organ got passed on to them. He gifted the organ to them. I grew up in my, when I was growing up in my grandparents' house, watching my grandmother and grandfather play this organ. And then when they sold their home, subsequently it ended up in my, my mom's house and my stepdad's house. And I played it growing up mm-hmm. a little bit, not a lot, but, so it's it was it's been a part of our family and the history that comes from it. I mean, I think these people deserve to be remembered because of who they were and what they were in, in the town, what they meant to people. Yeah. And I'm so happy that this pump organ has found a home because um, uh, this guy, uh, Mr. Sansom, the, uh, the pulpit that was in that church was donated there. Uh, in honor, I think, of his father, and even one of the serving tables up by the Eucharist rail was donated uh, in the memory of his mother. So this guy, like this this pump organ, is going back into a building, really, that has a strong history connection to the person who owned the pump organ. Mm-hmm. And it just it just reverberates about the meaning of of what it what it stands for to keep it and to to celebrate it 
What you're going to find, and a, and a quote that I hear from Greg often, you talk about everything coming full circle and all this coming together. Greg often, whether it's publicly or privately, will use the, the phrase, we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors. And this whole project, when I think about those things, I think about the connection that our ancestors would have all had together at the same time, doing the same sort of things in a different era than what we're doing currently, and how all this is coming full circle with a man from Los Angeles, me who's living over here, you who's living there, and we're all drawn back together with these items and buildings, and which actually mean nothing. It's the memories and the and the uh, and the connections and the stories which really matter, and that's what we want to preserve. The items are simply just handmade or built items, but they 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 represent that connection and. To see it all come full circle and come back together, it's uh, it's cold shiver stuff for me. It it, really, it's, it, it's I find it emotional because mm. when I think about that pump organ, uh, it that represents my grandparents who are no longer here, who played a huge role in my life, mm. and to hear the stories of what of of the role that Mister Sansom had in in the the town's people's lives and. Uh, and just to, to be able for us to have it, to have had it this long for some reason, I think, well, that's why we had it for as long as we have. So we could we could return it back to a, a place that, you know, it can be celebrated and the story can be told of where it came from and celebrate the people that had it. Now, I got a question for you. Now, Sansom's store, would that have been over in the vicinity of where the funeral home is currently? Is that that old? No. no? Oh, I take Store was because I sat on the step. That building was intact for quite a while, right across the, the right across the road from my grandfather's store was Hindi store, yep. Ray Hindi store. You know, it had it was the older building had these huge concrete steps that looked massive when I was a little girl, and I I lived right across the road in my grandparents' house, and of course uh, that and that was his store. Mister Sansom's store was massive. At that time, for that era, for me as a little girl looking over at that store, who had it, other people had bought it, and then from there, Ray Hindi ended up with, so it became Hindi store, right? Yeah, yeah. That building was Mister Sansom's store. Okay. Now, this and, is, listen, this is the kind of stuff that again, I, I love this stuff, Carol. Yeah. I do because the history of it all is just captivating and for me. I remember, I like sat on those steps. We have pictures of, of uh, like. My God, are people long gone where the men would go sit on Mr. Sansom's concrete steps mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, no different than across the road, they'd come into my grandparents' general store and sit by the potbelly stove. Yeah. I mean and it, it goes back again, you're, what you're talking about rings true to me because it's it's, it's the, the the name of the podcast. It's it's, it's it, was a, it was a gathering point. A place where people got together. These all these community hubs. If it was Sunday, it was a church. If it was yeah. Monday, it was the general store. If it was a Tuesday, and it was the post office. It, you know, it, it it's it's all about for me the coming together of people. Where we do it, how we do it, whatever. That's indifferent to me. The whole project, this podcast, Silly Cove Records, Trinity Hall. The essence remains the same for all of it. Is people coming together, sharing documentation is going to be a big part of what we do. And we're hoping to, as we develop what we're doing here, work in conjunction with, you know, the museum and, you know, when we can get some student grants and get some historical grants and this kind of stuff to get some more research done and help things along. 
because there is so much to tell. There's so, so much to tell. There so, is so much. Back to the gramophone. Let's talk the about gram- that. Okay. So the gramophone was gifted from Sir William Coker to my grandfather, which in turn was gifted to us along with Coker's Island, which is now, which is in Notre Dame Bay and my two brothers and I own Coker's Island. I'll admit, I'll back it all up. My grandfather was orphaned at the age of 12 and was in the Anglican orphanage in St. John's when uh, Coker came and uh, took my grandfather out of the orphanage when my grandfather was 14 years old. My grandfather went and lived on Coker's Island, Coker'sville back then with Coker, who had a farm there. And of course, there's tons of books about written about Coker, Sir William Coker, the founder of the Fisherman's Protective Union. Um, my grandfather, actually the great sealing uh, um, disaster that happened in Newfoundland, Death on the book written about that my grandfather accompanied coker on that run because coker went out to um to investigate how the sealers were retreated were because he, he felt they were being treated poorly and they weren't taking being taken care of when they were out there on the ice so my grandfather was with coker when that happened he was on that voyage and i mean so this is the kind of history that's attached to these types of things with these stories my grandfather uh went on to help uh, Sir William Coker build the town of Port Union, which is the first union built town in, in, in Canada. And that was, that town was totally self-sufficient. They had its own hospital, its own hydro plant, its own newspaper, its own movie theater. My grandfather traveled the world for Coker to get people to come back and trade with, with the trading company in Port Union. Um, I mean, it's there's so much history there alone with that. And so the gramophone was gifted to my grandfather and, of course, subsequently gifted to us. I remember growing up, we're playing the gramophone with these massive weighted records that are included with that. There's a, there's a drawer that's in that component that's all these records. And they're like, they're the thick records. I don't know. They're probably about a, a quarter of an inch thick. They're the yep. old, we would wind it up. We would wind up the gramophone and we'd sit there and we like, we couldn't believe it actually worked from all these years. I mean, these, my grandfather, Grand Coker were born, were in, you know, in the late 1800s. So we're going back quite a ways. So uh, to be able to pass this on to me, um, because there is some history there as well with, with Coker and, and my grandfather and he helped pioneer some things with Coker, I think that's a pretty big deal. And it's a bigger deal that it ended up in our hands all these years. And now to have the opportunity to pass it on to me keeps the memory of all these people alive too. Like you said, it's furniture, but you know what? There, there's, there's memories attached to this. There's, there's history, there's energy. The energy that's with this, I think it's pretty incredible knowing the role that it played in people's lives. Well, and and to to put my stamp on this and my view on how where all this comes and ties together is that the history is one part of it that we love. It's amazing history. You talked about your grandfather playing this this pump organ, and then you know your mother playing it, you playing it as as a child. Who knows who played that pump organ? But who oh, knows God. who who knows who's going to play it because. When Courtney Wicks recorded her debut album at Trinity Hall last October, uh, talk about serendipitous, the date that I picked to get this done when Greg was going to be home was, turned out to be Courtney's birthday. 
So <laughs> there was no other piece of, of we, we were in the annex area, of course, and we surprised Courtney with a cake. There was no other oh. piece of musical equipment in the annex except for the pump organ. So two-time Grammy award-winning record producer Greg Wells sits down to the pump organ and plays happy birthday for Courtney on her birthday on that pump organ the day she recorded her debut album. Yeah, same one. What? So, you know, it, it, uh, it, it really is all about the history, but these things will play a role in the future and already have. People ask about them all the time, which is why I thought it was so important that we have this chat and we document it and we get the write-ups done and get the, the, the stuff posted so that people can fully appreciate it. That gramophone will get it back to where it needs to be to play those records, and they will play on the regular at Trinity Hall um, whenever we get the opportunity because, I mean, there's no bigger music nerd on, on that I've ever met than Greg Wells. I love it. He's, 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 he's absolutely perfect when it comes to the person who should be in possession of these things to make them uh, do what they need to do and be respected the way that they should. Couldn't, couldn't have landed in a better place at the right time. I, I, you know what? I believe in that too. I, I, I have a strong belief. There are no coincidences at all. I, there is no such thing. And serendipity is it's massive. Um, and it's so, it's so interesting to me that now they're there and it's like, it's almost like okay, they're where they belong. This is where they needed to they needed to end up, you know, and to have have the write ups there uh, so that people can understand where they came from is equally as important as you and I talking about them today. And when I saw your first podcast, and 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 I reached out to you and I said to you, I had this 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 energy about having to do this because it felt like the next step. And here we are, we're having a chat about it. And, and I'm over the moon that I get to do this and uh, to bring some life to the, the two pieces of furniture. And um, because it, it's to me, when I look at it, it represents all the people that played a big role in my life. And now it still gets to carry on and, and, and affect other people too. So I couldn't have asked for any, I couldn't have asked for a better resting place for both pieces. I know. And, and, and we were, cause again, I was part and part and parcel involved in the conversation when this was offered up. I had just come on the board myself. I was one of the later members joining, uh, last, uh, last summer. And then, uh, this came up shortly after I joined the board and like Greg was ecstatic about it. He was like, he's like, I, I collect pump organs. You can go on YouTube and this is no joke. You go on YouTube and search Greg Wells studio tour. He's got at least three or four, in his studio, in one of his studios in Los Angeles, and he goes through all the pieces, and he's got some really interesting stuff there. But like, he's all about the old sound, and and you know, he uses this stuff on the regular on albums that you hear today when he's creating the music. You know, so um, I I'd be very shocked if that organ is not used in one way, shape, or another in different productions that are going to happen, uh, both uh, from a record producing side of things and both from a uh, performance side of things at Trinity Hall because we have the grand piano which is great for certain things we're going to have a pipe organ very shortly which is gr which is great for certain things uh, we've got an upright piano which again for an old piano that was gifted to us again something that someone thought would be useful to us we had it retuned had it cleaned up and it sounds like a grand piano it sounds amazing we used it to record uh, Nancy Spain which we just released from Courtney's debut album which is coming out now in May uh, Greg played Nancy Spain on an old piano that was destined for Robin Hood Bay, but instead it ended up in the hands of a Grammy Award winner, and now it's creating music again. 
Um, and this just pump organ again, is just going to continue on. Right. So, uh, I guess on that note, Carol, I guess we'll knock this on the head, but, um, I want to thank you personally and on behalf of Greg and all the board members of Trinity hall for having the foresight to want to preserve this and, and for supporting what we're trying to accomplish. And for anybody else out there who got old crap in your basement, that is the pedestrian feel, feel free guys. If it's got a, if it's got a connection to Trinity hall and or music and or anything of, of the above, you know, we'd be happy to, uh, we'd be happy to try and preserve that and, and, and give it new life because, uh, I think that's the essence of what this project is all about is new life for a building, new life for the community, uh, and, and, and new life for music in general. So, um, well, I'm really grateful just to be a part of this, just even here. And I'm, um, it's still, I'm still wide open to any other part that, that comes to me in a such a way that, uh, you know, cause there's so much excitement about this. I feel the same way and it doesn't matter. I mean, I feel like I, I could probably be going back and forth to Winterton for quite a while, just because this is kind of, it just awakens everybody. And I think it's fabulous. And I do plan to be there that day for the grand opening. I think a lot of people are going to make that. that. That's our big stumbling block because I think, <laughs> A lot of people, I've, if, if, if everybody who've told me they're coming comes, we don't have enough room for everybody. So that's why we decided to stretch it out, make it a longer event. And we hope that people come and go to allow more people. Cause I mean, the, the building only holds, uh, you know, between the annex and the stage area and the, the, the actual sanctuary, what used to be the sanctuary, you're, you're kicking around 180 people, Mark. And I expect to see that many in the first couple hours. So we're hoping people roll through and enjoy themselves and, and take in what it's all about. But, you know, also be respectful to people who want to come behind because we simply can't fit everybody in. If 300 people shows up for this event, then we got to roll some people through. And I, I got a funny feeling over the course of uh, the five hours for the grand opening, we're going to see at least that um, because of you know, people with such strong connections. You know what I'm really curious about? And I, I know that, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time. I feel that going in that building is going to, like, I'm just going to be flooded with memories and, and so many different things. And I think it's I think it's going to be a little emotional for some people that, you know, I might even say it might even be a little emotional for me. I, I hope to be able to bring my mom there and, and, and for her to be able to, like I said in the beginning, for her to be able to walk through the doors again after they were closed whoever knew who thought mm -hmm. whoever thought that happened and the thing is it's no longer a church and certain aspects of it once you get past the pews everything that was up in the front no longer looks that way because it's now turned into a, a, a venue with a stage area um reconstruction has has created a different space so there's aspects of the building which remain 120 years old other aspects which are a couple of days old you know, yeah. so it's, 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 a, it's the perfect mix of, uh, of respecting the heritage, but also creating a usable space for everybody. Um, and then there's the annex area. What we, we still will we'll probably always refer to it as the annex, I guess, but that's been basically gutted to the studs walls torn out. That is just, you will not recognize it. There's a now control room area built into that for a recording studio, uh, wheelchair accessible bathrooms, open concept kitchen, uh, artist lounge area all coming together as we speak, being documented as well. You'll all see that uh, through a documentation process, which we're currently working on with filmmakers, uh, local as well, uh, in Brad Talk and Stephen Green, uh, Brad from Hans Arbor, of course. Um, again, 
strong connection to the church. His grandmother went there. He, as a young boy, went there with his grandmother. So, um, again, all these people, that next generation coming back and pulling all this together, uh, thanks. There will never be enough thanks to go around for Greg Wells. Never in a million years. And I think when when I walk in through the doors, I think I'll find the church because I'll find the church because all I have to do is just look up and I'll Mm -hmm. see that I've stared at that for years and years that I that will always look like the church to me because mm-hmm. it's great it's a great structure you know and architecturally but anyhow all that being said I'm so grateful for this chance to be able to just sit down and have this little chat with you and uh, we'll get the little write-ups uh to uh, accompany the furniture when it finds its final resting place and I think it'll celebrate it like everything else yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Carol. I, uh, I, uh, again, on behalf of myself, Greg DeBoard, uh, thanks so much for your support. If you guys enjoyed our, our chat today, um, the Downey's Bank podcast, of course, is on, uh, you can see the video portion on YouTube. Just search Downey's Bank podcast. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on any of the streaming platforms online. We're on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, you name it, we're there. Search Downey's Bank Podcast and you can listen there. And of course, uh, it always helps to hit the old like and subscribe button and, and give it a post a share if you see it on Facebook too because uh, all these stories, we want to get it out there and, and let people know about our, our, our project and our little town and how amazing it's about to be. Um, a lot of people are already talking. We'd like for some more people to start talking. So, Again, thanks so much, Carol, and uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you in the very near future. <laughs>